Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet church service. Praise the Lord. Where we can gather together, literally from around the world, and have church together through the blessing of the internet. Praise God. I am so happy that you're here. Let's take our Bibles today and go to Psalm 24, verse 1. We're going to receive the holy tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of God. And I would like to share just a couple of scriptures with you that will bless you and strengthen your faith in the area of finances because God wants you to be blessed financially. Hallelujah. Psalm 24, verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and, and those who dwell therein. Well, that's, a, that's an amazing statement. Listen to it one more time. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Now that's very interesting. Since God owns everything, everything in the world, God has created all the mountains and the, you know, the oceans and the lakes and all the beautiful things. But, you know, so many things that we even make and produce, it just all comes out of the ground. So in essence, God is overall. So how can you really give God something that would move his heart when it really comes from him in the first place. How do you assign value to something in giving when it's originating from God in the first place? In other words, if we're going to give God something and we give it to the Lord and the Lord's like, well, that's great, but really it came from my planet and it originates from me. So how in view of this, knowing that the earth, the entire earth belongs to the Lord, how do we assign value to something? Okay, let's take a look at Haggai chapter 2 and verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Pastor Stephen, I'm going to give God some gold. Well, <laughs> who, who made it? Where did you get it from? I got it from uh, out of a creek bed. I was out panning and I, I found some gold nuggets. I'm going to give them to God. Well, you're just really giving to him. Now, that's nice, but you're really giving to God uh, what actually is still his. It all comes from the Lord. So when we're going to give something from the Lord, it's really his blessing that allows us to give. Well, Pastor Stephen, I'm, I'm a little bit confused in how, how if it's all coming from God as the source, that's really the core of where it's all coming from. It's coming from God. Then how can we actually give something to him that would have value in his eyes? That's a good question. So how can we determine what is valuable? Well, I think this can help you. If you will understand that value of, of what, what something is worth is not really determined by God, but it's determined by you and I. Woo! Okay, so if, it's, if it has value to you and I, then God sees that, then God will assign equal value to it. Praise the Lord. I think this is a fascinating uh, insight into the mind of God and into the heart of God. Now, I want you to see a little story, very short. I'm only going to read a few verses from 1 Kings chapter 17 that will help you understand value in how certain types of offerings empower you to move the hand of God. Wow. Praise the Lord. Ooh. Now look at this. 
1 Kings chapter 17. You can probably tell, I'm trying to be careful with my words. I want to word something that's so special. I want to word it right and not misplace uh, uh, this revelation with wrong words. So I'm trying to speak it slowly that all things belong to the Lord. So if you give something and it's originating from God, then how can you really give something that in the eyes of God would have value? Okay. In the eyes of God, it has value if you assign it value. Now, even unbelievers can understand this because in the world, let's take silver and gold. You know, they both have value. Why? They're rare. And it's not like they're silver just laying out on the streets somewhere. So it used to, it has to be mined. It has to be extracted from where? From the earth. Who created the earth? God did. But even unbelievers know that silver has value. Now, they also know that gold has a higher value. Why would that be? Because it's scarcer. And it's therefore considered a precious metal. In other words, there's not that much of it. So this, this is very interesting value. So in the world, we have things that we have assigned value to why? Because of their scarcity, their rarity, and uh, you know, their usefulness and so forth. So we assign value to certain things. And some things can have like a medium value. Some things can have little value. If you lost it, you wouldn't even care. You go out and get another one, you know, like a little toy from, you know, getting a toy at the McDonald's drive through and they give you a little toy, you lose it, where you're like, well, it only costs three cents. You're not really worried about it. That doesn't have any value. So other things, though, if you lost them, uh, you would be searching the entire house. You, you would go through the car. You would have a flashlight. You would be looking through every nook and cranny trying to find it. Why? Everything has a different value, but we're talking about the type of a, of a gift or giving that moves the heart of God. Let me show you this very quickly. First uh, Kings chapter 17, verse one, and Elijah, the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, except at my word. And he gave the word and there wasn't. And this is not just for a few weeks or months. This is years. <laughs> Woo, three years, no rain. How about that? Because the prophet has closed up the heavens and they could get airplanes up there and do cloud seeding. Nothing's going to happen. It's not going to rain because he said it's not going to rain. And so he had locked it up. Now you could imagine that uh, in a famine experience that this is going to bring drought and all the hardships involved that uh, everything now is going to have scarcity and something maybe before that didn't have much value, like a loaf of bread, is suddenly going to have a lot of value. Let's continue on. Verse 7, And it happened after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Ah, now water has great value, doesn't it? Okay, verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to him, that would be the prophet, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he's like, okay, somebody's going to take care of me. That's nice. I'll pack my bag, and I'll leave. It was nice that I got fed by ravens, but now I'm going to go to uh, somebody's house. Verse 10, so he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup, that I may 
drink. And as she was going to get it, let's stop there just for a moment. She goes to get the water. He now he's not asking for a gallon and uh, because he knows it's very rare, but he does say to her, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. There's uh, there's not much water when you go into these already arid areas and there's no rain then, you know, you're talking famine drought conditions really quick. So you're looking here at three years of no rain, and it hasn't been that long yet, but it already has been long enough where water is now a scarcity. But yet, when he asks her for a little bit of water in a cup, she is a giver. So what does she do? She starts to go get it. Woo! Praise the Lord. And you know what? That's a that's a good offering. That that's a good offering anywhere to give water in the midst of a drought when water is scarcity and you can go to the grocery store and there's no bottled water anywhere and uh, there's no you know there's no tap water in anybody's house. Uh, you have to just get it wherever you can get it. And so, nevertheless, she's going to go and she's going to get him some water. I, I'd say that this lady has a giving heart, and maybe you're in a place like that where you are a giver, but you can't uh, you can't quite seem yet though the breakthrough into that area where you know there is the next level of abundance or blessing that God has for you, and you do give. Uh, good gifts, and you do sow good seed. You would even give water in a time of a great drought. But sometimes it takes a prophet that has revelation, understanding, and a word from God to take you into the deeper realm where you contact the glory realm of God and where God's hand moves. I want to talk to you about that just for a moment. And as she was going to get it, going to get the little bit of water, which shows to us that she is a giver, as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And when he said that, when he asked for the morsel of bread, that hit the nerve in her, that hit the bedrock foundation of her heart. And that was the opportunity that she now has to go over into the miracle realm where you move the hand of God. Why, Pastor Stephen? Because I'll, I'll show you why. Look at this. Verse 12, so she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She only has enough for one last meal. What does that mean? It means that the water she can probably get a little bit more water. Maybe they had a well that was really good, that was really deep, and that underground spring is still holding up. So she can cover the water. It's, it's scarce, yes, but she can still get the water. But the food, hey, uh, we're all on the edge here. And this, the, she and her son are on the edge so much, this is their last meal. And she basically says, we're going to, we're going to, we're, I was going to cook this and we're going to eat this. And, and, uh, and then, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to die. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. What happened? The, the meal, the little meal was something to her that was precious. So when you give the precious, 
And you know what? God won't force you to do it. Angels won't force you to do it. Although you can have opportunity, sometimes it comes as a prophetic moment where maybe you catch that prophetic revelation. Or a prophet even could say, this is the opportunity. Come on, let me pull you into a realm where you could actually move the hand of God. How do you do that? How do you, how do you move God's hand when it all comes from Him? Because God allows you and me to assign value on what we give. And while you can be a good giver, if you want to see God's hand move in your life into that actual area of real, bona fide, genuine miracles, then the way that you do that is that you have to give what's precious. And if it's not precious to you, then it will not be precious in the eyes of God. Praise the Lord. So that's how that works. If, you, if you're trying to think, well, how can I really give God something that, that will really touch His heart when it's really all coming from Him anyhow? Oh, He allows you and me to assign value. And so then if you give something that has value, then God assigns value to it, and that really will move His hand. And this is an area that for some Christians, probably most Christians, it, it can be a little bit scary, which is why in verse 12, Elijah said to her, Do not fear, go and do as you ha have said which is that she's going to go get the little meal put together. But make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. And she obeys, and then she sustained all throughout that drought and famine, while others are dropping dead and dying from starvation. So I think sometimes we have these special moments where something that would be considered very just very, very special. We could call it precious, that we have an opportunity to give it. And when you do that, that's when you see the miracles happen. That's how you get into that realm. If you're curious, that's how you get into it. You think about Hannah. Hannah was married to a very good husband. Uh, he was very gracious to her and made sure that all of her needs were met, but she could not bear a child, and she wanted a son desperately. And uh, she just got to the point after going up to the annual pilgrimage of the feast of just, you know, never getting the prayer answered, being a giver, being a, you know, a good Israelite, but just still never getting into the miracle zone. She just was at her wit's end, and she just finally uh, brought the thing before the Lord and said, Lord, I'm, you know, I'm willing to do something I've never done before. I'm going to make a pledge that if you will fulfill this pledge and give me a son, I'll actually give him to you all the days of his life. That's that's um, really touching that area again of something that would be precious. And she had to do it on a faith pledge because she didn't have, uh, like the widow woman here, had the little bitty final meal that she could give away. But uh, she didn't even have that. So she had to say, Lord, I don't, I don't even have something like that to work with. So I'm going to have to even work with you on a faith pledge basis. But I really commit in my heart that if you'll do it, I'll, I'll, I'll fulfill my end of the deal. So if you're willing to pledge something sacred, again, it has to be something that you would cherish, something very very, very special. Now, that's how you get God's hand to move. Now, there's a lot of people that uh, are Christians that they want God's hand to move, but they're not willing to actually follow through. Lord, if you'll give me, you know, $1,000 or $10,000, then I'll finally have that seed that I want to sow, and I'll sow it. <laughs> well, then, you know, the thing is, is God can do His part, but if you take that, you take that seed, uh, 
and, and you don't use it for that intended purpose, uh, you might not hear from God again in this type of area for a long, long time. I'm talking years before maybe uh, another opportunity like that could come around, maybe 10 years easily, because uh, the Lord takes these things very, very seriously, even to the point when God did give her a son and she got pregnant and she had the child and she's got little Samuel and she tells her husband I need the weaning first you know he's he's breastfeeding and so forth so as soon as that's done I'll I'll take him up there uh uh you know to the to the uh, man of God and then he could just serve there in the tabernacle system and so you know her husband Elkanah said hey um okay you can do that but make sure Make sure that you you know as soon as he's weaned it, you get him up there because you know we've got a hot potato here. We've got a dedicated uh, son, and we're you know so. Uh, in other words, don't hold that uh, you know that faith pledge when it's manifested and there it is. Now you've got it. Don't hold that in your hand. And start thinking, whoo, that's a lot of money, Lord. I I told you I'd give it to you, but whoo, that sure feels good to hold it. You know, I I could pay a lot of bills off with this, and I could I could really have a very nice shopping spree. But see, when it's dedicated to God, uh, you have to move very very quickly and follow up on your pledge. And then if you do that, then you'll see God's hand move. Praise the Lord. But my friends, this thing of something that's cherished or something very, very valuable to you, if it's if it's like that to you and you're willing to give that, then God sees it, then he'll assign that level of value to it. And that's really when you get into the miracle area. There is the consistent tithes, there is the opportunity to give and sow good seed, and you'll you'll be blessed. You'll have your bills paid. You'll have more than enough. But if you want to get into the area of heavyweight, blessed, that's how you get there. You get there through giving something to the Lord that's very, very cherished. Is it easy to do? No. Which is why most people don't enter into that realm. But it is possible. It is possible. So God can give you that cherished seed and it's when you give that, that you see the hand of God move. You see it all through Scripture, and that's really what God responds to. So if you've ever wondered, how can I give something to God that will move His heart, knowing that it all comes from Him anyhow? That's how you do that. God assigns value to what you assign value to. And if it means a lot to you, it means a lot to the Lord. If it doesn't mean much to the Lord, excuse me, if it doesn't mean much to you, then it doesn't mean much to the Lord. Doesn't mean maybe that you shouldn't give, you know. But uh, remember this most people, they, they only ever give out of their overflow. In other words, if they have extra, they'll give. But they never touch that area of what we would call sacrificial giving or giving the cherished thing. And, you know, I've heard, I've heard scriptures taken out of context. Sometimes people will say, well, you know, Pastor Stephen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the widow's offering. Uh, you know, like she gave the two little pennies, uh, and you know, uh, Jesus said she gave all she had, and you know, and that everybody talks about the widow's little bitty offering. But you know, when somebody says, Pastor Stephen, all I can do is give the widow's offering, well, I'm like, well, are, are you giving your, your everything into the offering? Because that's what she did. She gave all that she had. Oh, no, Pastor Stephen, I, I certainly didn't mean that. I just, I just meant I just have a little bit to give. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, tech, uh, you know, in context, when she gave her little offering, that was her entire livelihood. She put the whole thing in the offering. So sometimes people, you know, they don't understand what they're saying. Pastor Stephen, I'm going to give the widow's offering. Oh, oh, you mean you're giving it all? Oh, what's that known, Pastor Stephen? By all means, that's not what I meant. See, they'll only give if they have like uh, the extra, the overflow. But you do have those moments, those opportunities 
where God can work with you on something that's cherished praise God and really the gospel the preaching of the gospel moves on the wheels of sacrificial giving Woo, thank you Lord Jesus often giving beyond just your surplus area often giving beyond just you know well I've got some extra pastor Stephen I'll give it but even at times giving when okay this dips into something that is very much a part of me Woo, praise God Ah, one more story, one more story. I just, this is just coming out of my spirit today. Uh, my pastor, many years back, this would be over 20 years ago when uh, they were taking a special offering for their new church building and they needed to raise money for, you know, everything from carpet to sound system to everything that was needed. It was a very large facility. And, uh, you know, the, the offering was being received, and this was something that was going to take place over a period of time where funds were raised, but not much was happening until he decided that he needed to lead, he needed to lead by example and not just give, you know, well, you know, I've got, I, my needs are met, so I've got a little extra, so let me give that little extra. No, he decided that if I, if I really want to see God move in this offering, he said, I need to lead. So he gave the thing to him, uh, the, the, to him that had the greatest value in his life, and that was his Porsche, <laughs> which he owned debt-free. And he, he took the Porsche, and he sold it, and he took every bit of that money, and he put it into the offering. And when he put it into the offering, uh, it just ignited faith in all of the people. And when they, when people, when all the church members saw his sacrifice and knew that that was a sacrifice because that meant a lot to him, he was actually crying <laughs> about that. <laughs> Pastor Stephen, a man shouldn't love a car like that. It's, it's not like he loved the piece of metal. It's just that him, to him, that was something that, that he just cherished. It meant so much to him. It was a sign of God's blessing and God's goodness to his life. But he took the car and sold it and put all of that money into the church uh, building fund. And then, then the hand of God moved and provision just poured in. And I tell you what, it was an absolutely beautiful work that God had raised up there. Hallelujah. So my, my friends, I just want you to understand that today as you bring the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of the Lord, look for those moments where the Holy Spirit would highlight something that you would greatly cherish. Maybe it's a, you know, something like a vehicle or something like that that could be sold. I, I know people that have got boats and cars, extra cars, just sitting in storage sheds, and, you know, and they don't even use it. They just like knowing that it's there. And, uh, you know, the, the, the thought of maybe selling it and giving it to the work of the Lord so that the gospel could be preached and that you could have a, a soul winner's crown when you go to heaven, that thought never even crosses their mind. It wouldn't even cross their mind uh, no more than, a, maybe a meteorite shooting through their bedroom. Uh, they, they just, uh, you know, but look, my friends, you can have those moments whoo, by the Spirit when you have an opportunity, when you have an opportunity to do something special. And if you'll do that, you'll see the hand of God move. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for insights into your word of how you work with us here, knowing that you own all and that you're the whole planet. 
Father belongs to you. So you give us opportunities still to participate and even be able to do that in a sacrificial way, knowing that you allow us to assign value. Father, we give you all the praise. We thank you for special opportunities outside of the tithe, which already belongs to you. We thank you for ec those extra special opportunities to sow so that your hand might move in our lives. Father, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. One more story, hallelujah. Stories by the Holy Spirit that are just fluttering up in my spirit. You know, uh, if you have read my testimony, which is in my book called The Sacred Anointing, years back I found my, myself in a situation where I was homeless. I lost my job. It, it was a perfect storm, uh, a scenario where multiple uh, bad things came together at one time and hit my life in a very negative way. And I found, I found myself, um, I ended up homeless. And so uh, you know, people sometimes have asked me, well, how come you didn't ask for help? But trust me, it was a perfect storm where all kinds of things were involved, where it was just very difficult to get out of the situation that I was in. And it was the enemy's very strategic, very well planned out attack to take me out before I could ever preach one sermon. Because up to that time, I never had. I didn't even know at that time that God had a really, really didn't even understand that God had a calling for my life. But nevertheless, nevertheless, the enemy launched his attack, and I found myself at the lowest point that I'd ever been at after I was homeless for quite some time. But went to a a meeting, a Bible study. It didn't tell anybody what I was going through. Some of you know my story, but I went to that meeting, hadn't eaten for days. I think it was at least three days, no food, just drinking creek water. And I show up to this meeting, and um, uh, an angel behind me spoke to me in the meeting during the offering while the offering basket was being passed around. And I, I heard an angel speak to me and, and said, give your last $4 in the offering. <laughs> and that's all I had four $1 bills. I'd saved them for, I don't know how long. Cause I always thought just like the widow woman, that if I get to the point where I'm about to perish and die, I could go to McDonald's for one final good meal. I know that sounds silly. That, that way of thinking sounds crazy, but that's actually was the way I was thinking. I was thinking if I'm, if I'm about to at least die from starvation, I could at least have one good meal before I die. <laughs> Praise God. So I'd saved those four $1 bills and I'd never spent them, even though uh, I had gone often days and days with no food. But of all things, can you believe that a holy angel told me, gave me an opportunity to move the hand of God by giving into that offering? Now, remember, there's other people giving in the offering, and I'm sure they could give, and they felt no sweat. Throw $20 in there, and throw whatever into the basket, and, and you know, uh, maybe uh, there was some that could probably give $100, and they were being very generous. But I tell you, when I gave that $4, I gave I gave everything. I had nothing else. There was no, there was no bank account. There was no, you know, you know, money in the glove compartment of the car. There, you know, th that was nothing. Four dollars was all I had to my entire life's existence. And when I gave it, man, that was just like it's just like opening my heart, taking my heart out, and throwing it into the offering plate. <laughs> 
that was that four dollars was the most cherished thing I had in my life at that time. <laughs> so, so who gave the most in the offering? We're not remember God doesn't look at it always by numerical value because numerical value can have a can have a weight to it. But uh, but I outgave everybody that night in the meeting. Why? I gave all I had. I gave all I had. So it didn't matter if somebody gave $40,000, I outgave them. Why? That's all I had. And unless they emptied their tank, they didn't outgive me. Woo, praise the Lord. So remember, it's that kind of giving that moves the hand of God. That's what does it. And I begin to have genuine miracles that happened in my life. You can, you can read the story. I'm just giving you abbreviated version, but God did miracles. God gave me a home uh, to live in. God gave me a, a full-time job. God, God gave me a ministry calling. And then God began to fast track me and begin to give me a prophetic understanding. And God gave me a wife and then a family. And here I am today, happy. And I could, I could uh, eat anywhere I want. I might still drop by McDonald's every now and then, Praise the Lord, and uh, have more than four dollars to spend for dinner or lunch or breakfast if I want to eat whatever I want. Basically, that's not an issue today. But the thing is, is that I know what it takes to move the hand of God, and that is always that cherished thing. Woo! Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, again, we just give you praise. There's somebody out there this is meant for today, Father. We have normal just tithes and offerings, and sometimes I can cover that. Tithe and offering message in just five minutes. But today, just kind of floating around because there's somebody out there that they've always wondered why they've never seen your hand move in the mighty way. Well, Father, we thank you. That's why. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. It really is the way that takes you into the deeper financial glory. It's it's touching on those things of um, what's cherished greatly what's sacred and means a lot to you that's that's what God's looking for the other stuff is good those things though are the things that heaven stands back and angels are like oh he did it or she did it and uh you know th- there's an eruption of praise and shouts in heaven when something like that happens because heaven starts moving praise God all right it's fun stuff. Those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, 28654. If you would like to bring your tithes and offerings in online, you can do so anytime, day or night. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings sow and reap and you can go there anytime and bring them into the house of the Lord thank you so much for your giving there's also a link at the website there's a header that's called projects and if you click on that you'll see the two projects that we're focused on we have the the ministry fence project which is to put a beautiful new fence around the around the uh, entire ministry property and we're we've already gone past one-third of what the budget is on that we're going to go all the way to the thirty thousand dollar budget and we're past one-third on that and we also have the ministry aircraft hangar project that we are believing God for as well and provision is coming in towards that and that's moving along quite well also so thank you for sewing into that because these are two needs that we have at this time in the ministry. Praise God. Father, bless your people. Bless your people in the name of 
Jesus. Woo! Amen and amen. Today, let's talk about experiencing and maintaining prophetic vision. You know, it's just like a, a new car. You can go out and buy a new vehicle, and you can experience the joy of, of having a new vehicle, that wonderful smell, which is actually, you know, they say it's just uh, the uh, the smell of plastics and stuff like that. Well, you know, uh, to me, plastic never smelt so good as a new car. <laughs> Hallelujah. Pastor Stephen, it's not good that you smell that. Well, maybe it's not, but I certainly enjoy it. Praise the Lord. Uh, but even still, with a new vehicle, you're still going to have to do maintenance. You're going to have to wash it. You're going to have to change the oil eventually, unless, of course, is an electric car, but even even an electric car is going to need some maintenance on some basic things. So let's talk today about experiencing and maintaining prophetic vision. Who glory to God, Heavenly Father? As we go into Your Word today, we ask we ask for the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit to come and just let Your Scripture be lit up like neon laser lights hallelujah so that we could not just see it but understand it and really apply it today to our lives in Jesus name amen somebody you're going to get your edge back today and others of you that are seeking to go further you're going to have the windows of heaven open up greater into this realm of prophetic experience thank you Jesus let's go today to Ephesians chapter 2 and let's drop down the verse 4 It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up, and raised us up, not going to raise us up, He's already done it, and raised us up together, and made us sit together. He's not going to make you sit. If you're in Christ, you're already seated there now, and made us sit together in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in this kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. While wow, it's hard to stop in Ephesians, Ephesians is known by scholars as the book of superlative upon superlative. And it's just, you, sometimes I tried to read a, a sentence or one verse out of Ephesians, it's hard to put the brakes on because it just keeps escalating higher and higher and better and better. But let's just stop there for a moment. I want to focus on verse 6, which tells us clearly that we have been seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms. Some translations say the heavenly places. Now, that is a reality of where you're at right now. One day we'll eventually go to be with the Lord forever. It will have glorified bodies. And now, now when I say forever, that doesn't mean that you can't come back down to the earth. Um, you can still do that if you want, if you want to, you can be in heaven, you will have a glorified body and you can travel back to the earth and visit. And if you would so desire or choose, you could travel anywhere throughout the universe. It's quite large, but you'll be able to get a, get around very, very easily. So there's going to be a lot of fun things to do, but right now, you're already in Christ through the born again experience, and you are seated with Him in the heavenly realms. Because of that, that realm is your inheritance. Praise the Lord. And this is very, very important to understand. I know that this, for some of you, is basic, it's foundational, but this, this is good to know because there's a lot of people that are in the body of Christ, they are unaware of the glory realm or the spiritual realm or the prophetic realm 
or what we would call the realm of visions and seeing into heaven and operating in uh, the gifts of the spirit word of wisdom and the, the word of knowledge and, and etc they're, they're completely unknowing of that well the only reason they don't know is they haven't been taught and of course many the they drift over somehow I believe it's really by the leading of the Holy Spirit to my channel uh, to my messages and they end up getting exposure and the next thing you know they're starting to uh, get comfortable that's what the Word of God does it builds a foundation to stand on and with that comfort with that strength they begin to enter in praise God and that's what God wants you to do he wants you to enter in he wants you to know that there's a window into heaven and that you can go there by the grace of God and experience the supernatural realm of God some of you are watching and uh, this may be new to you and you're thinking Pastor Stephen this is crazy um, I just I probably should let you know that if you're thinking that uh, you're the one on the outside looking in we're already in and you're not going to unconvince us of what we have already received knowledge and revelation of this is not something that you can talk us out of because this is not based on intellectual experience this is based on spiritual reality praise the Lord uh, it kind of reminds me of you know uh, some you know around here there's a lot of Baptists they're, they're good people they're saved they love the Lord but they don't always have the uh, the best attitude towards maybe what we would call Pentecostal or spirit-filled people but I'm uh, uh, happy to inform you and let you know that um, it's not like the Pentecostal church is this tiny little thing uh, anymore. Uh, there's hundreds of millions and billions of Pentecostals. So, you know, uh, if, if you're making fun of somebody, you might want to look back and kind of rethink, hey, they're doing pretty good. There's a lot more of them than they are of us. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That's not boasting that's not being arrogant that's just that's just basically saying that um you shouldn't you shouldn't make fun of something that's flourishing and prospering and actually doing quite well it could be a possibility that maybe maybe they know some things that we don't know praise the lord and so that's why you find me amongst those that are what we would call spirit-filled Pentecostal or tongue talkers or whatever you want to call us I, I just found out that um, this is where the glory's at this is where the fullness is at now um, I'll cross-pollinate and I'll I'll, I'll kind of like jump around here and there I'll minister to in all kinds of uh, places but I know that I'm going to be camping and living where the glory is at and so that's why I'm here ministering the Word of God and particularly just you know uh, it, it says in the book of Acts that when Peter got out of prison through that miraculous escape it says he went to his own company you need to know who your company is and my company is those that are spirit spirit filled they are uh, they are believers in the miracles the power of God manifested today the same power demonstrated in uh, the book of Acts same power is available today that's where you find me uh, amongst those that I'm comfortable with why because I can bring them into the supernatural experiences of God now I can bring others into it as well but they have to also go through the door the door of the baptism in the Holy Spirit because these things really begin to come alive when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart with that baptismal experience not just a salvation experience but I'm talking about being immersed in the Spirit and when you're immersed in the Spirit 
this new language begins to come out that's called tongues praise God and you begin to speak it out you begin to utter it out that is the evidence or the sign that you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit praise God now my friends understand that as a New Testament born again believer you can go into this realm praise the Lord and even watch this even among what I would call Pentecostals or spirit-filled people full gospel people even in that realm you have those that because they're not sharp spiritually maybe they've fallen behind and they're not really aware of those who are pushing it or what God is doing in this present hour and if you are up to speed it just seems normal but even in the spiritual circles if you've been just sitting back you know and uh, you know resting on your haunches so to speak uh, maybe maybe you're not up to speed either because there's a there's a lot going on that used to be thought um, that how can I say people would think well that would be nice if it were true but it's too good to be true no you find out actually that it, that it is true so all over the world all over the world there are men and women that are going into the heavenly realm experiencing the deeper things of God I would call it the caught up experience no not physically although it can be possible to have even physical experiences of being caught up I've been translated before uh, even translated to the point where my body was taking uh, other places that's a different story but I'm talking about not so much translation but I'm talking about the visitations of God where uh, maybe it's not so much God coming to you but it's you going to be with God and it's the Spirit of God pulling you pulling you thank you Lord Jesus and these are things that we need to be very much aware of see this is something that the Lord walked me into and I'm not I'm not going to teach this line upon line measure upon measure because I think a lot of you that are watching you've already gotten that which is why you're watching you just you just want more you want to go deeper but it is possible to just sit very calmly and wait on the Lord spend some time in prayer you're all prayed up you're very strong in the Lord and you can sit and wait on the Lord and your spirit will start to go up and you can go into the heavenly places you can go into the heavenly realm I remember when this first began to really open up to me it was right around the year of 2001 that it just began to open up and I could I could have prayer time with God I would enjoy my prayer time and then after my prayer time was over I wouldn't leave I would just sit and I would wait and I would my spirit would begin to go up and I would begin to go up and it's easier with your eyes closed with my eyes closed as my spirit would go up I would find myself in heaven and there was a time for about three months straight every day I would go up and I would find myself sitting on a very high throne and this is how I knew that Ephesians 2 6 was so real to the believer because it says that we've been raised up together and he's made us sit together in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus so I would find myself sitting on this very high throne not of course not higher than, than God's throne God's throne is above all but these are lifted up places in Christ where the believers are positioned 
to sit. And I could sit on that throne and I could see all different types of activity that would be taking place in the heavenly realm. And it was fascinating just to sit there and watch. And I think one of the things that, uh, that always stood out to me was all the different types of clothing that are available in heaven. Here's a little insight for those of you that maybe haven't had a, a peek into that realm just yet. Not everybody in heaven wears white robes. Now, there are times when uh, you'll see a lot of white robes, but there's other places of heaven where not everybody is wearing white robes. There's even uh, different types of robes that can even look dark in color. I'm not saying they're black, but I'm saying that they can be like a dark, like a dark red or dark brown. And uh, there's just many different types of colors, and there's many types of uh, clothing besides just a robe. Praise the Lord. So, these are things that you can see. But here's what's, here's what's amazing. You don't try to see something. You don't think, well, I'm going to try to see what the throne looks like of God. I want to see what, what the angels look like. You don't, you don't try to see something. You just, you just allow the Holy Spirit to take you, and you see what He shows you. Woo, glory to God. Because all of these things are manifested by the Holy Spirit anyhow. And you can't make the Holy Spirit uh, do, do anything. You just go with Him, and He unveils to you, and He allows you to see what you see. Ooh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, a few nights back, I was sitting here in the sanctuary. I was actually overall on this side of the sanctuary. And while sitting there after prayer time, I just, my spirit began to go up and I began to have visions that I could see into heaven. And I could see things taking place in heaven pertaining to something that meant a lot to me. I, I don't feel the freedom to share it just openly with, with the uh, general public. I would probably sh share it in a small group setting. But the things I began to see were absolutely marvelous to me as God, by the Holy Spirit, allowed me to see things that brought Oh, such joy and comfort into my heart, and things that are so real. Hallelujah. This is not, my friends, make-believe, fairy tales, you know, uh, an, over, uh, an over-creative imagination. No, this has nothing to do with that at all. This is your spirit, which is born again. This is your spirit going up to be with God, and God allowing you to see by the Holy Spirit things that He wants you to see ex and experience. Some of those things are for sharing with others and sometimes some of the things that you see are just for you and that is also a part of the wisdom of God to know what is what so there is the experiencing of prophetic vision but there also must be the maintaining of prophetic vision and I felt like I should speak about that just for a little bit today as well please go with me to the book of James James chapter 4 because as you know we are coming into the Christmas season and Christmas season, which should be a time of, you know, love and, you know, kindness and sweetness, it has been so hijacked by the secular world and the darkness of the world that it's just turned into nothing but consumerism and shopping. And uh, if, if you're not careful, that stuff will try to get on you. And before you know it, you get so busy and you get so caught up with, uh, you know, shopping or all, all this other stuff that you can begin to lose that spirituality. And that prophetic window can begin to close. 
Oh yes, that's very much a reality. That prophetic window can close and you don't have the perception that God wants you to have. You don't have the vision that God wants you to have. You get grounded. You're like the eagle that can't fly and you're just walking around on the ground all the time and that's not where you're supposed to be at. Did you know that an adult male eagle will be in flight at least four hours every day? So you're not just destined to, you know, be on the ground that I know there is a place where we could say we need to take care of the natural. We need to work. We need to have a good marriage, have a good family. We need to have the natural things in order, but you want to fly. You want to have that ability to go up when you want to go up. And so you've got to develop the prophetic. That's what the Eagle represents in the Bible. He represents the prophetic. You want to be able to operate in that realm. Does it mean that you're a prophet? A prophet is a full-time calling into a ministry office. There's five ministry offices, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Those are uh, callings full-time by the grace of God. But even if you're not called as a prophet, there can still be a prophetic anointing that can rest upon your life. And that's what God wants you to have. Thank you, Jesus. James chapter 4 and let's drop down to verse 5. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, The Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Now, why is He yearning jealously? He's yearning with a great jealousy for us to be, one translation says, for us to be faithful. Really what that's saying is that the Holy Spirit has this very jealous yearning that we always walk close with God, and that the Spirit of the world does not begin to permeate into our life to a degree where now we're all distracted, and all we're doing is thinking about shopping, and thinking about movies, and thinking about sports, and thinking about all the things of the world that are out there. And that the, uh, See, there's nothing wrong with going and seeing a nice movie. There's nothing wrong with watching a sporting event. There's nothing wrong with going shopping. But what happens is that the enemy wants to steal your spirituality. He wants to take away your prophetic vision, so that you're grounded and that you can't go up and you can't really be tied into the heart of God and you know what it takes effort to maintain that close walk and the Holy Spirit with a great jealousy uh, knowing all of these things swirling around us he wants us to maintain that walk now remember uh, remember Enoch back in the Bible Genesis chapter 5 Enoch he, he walked so close with God that eventually for whatever reason God decided to take him off of the earth he took him off the earth while he was alive and translated him directly to heaven even took his physical body so that's an amazing thing but Enoch walked with God but it says also that he had he had a family so he was married and he had children so he knew what it was like to juggle the responsibilities of life and to you know have a job so that you could bring an income in he knew what all that was like but he still somehow maintained that deep walk with God and the closer you get to the Lord the Lord really likes that and he he doesn't want that separation he doesn't want you drifting off he doesn't want you going backwards he wants you to stay there and stay very close to him and when you are very close to him he wants you to guard that with a great jealousy and that's what the Holy Spirit does you have to protect that relationship because all those voices out there 
They're going to compete for your attention. And God wants His voice to be above all. He wants His voice to be above the waters. And waters in the Bible would re- represent humanity or the peoples, particularly the Gentile peoples. The voices, all of these voices, uh, like the raging waves of the sea, shouting and hollering, and all of the news and all of the stuff. And, you know, you need to have the Lord's voice above all the waters so that you can hear that. And so you have to stay very, very close to Him. Verse 6, but he gives more grace. Now the grace is going to go to the humble, not just to the generic Christian. But he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is a time, and it's, it's odd, but this is a time during Christmas to actually humble yourself. Woo! I think that there's something special when you have a opposite flow from what the world is doing. When the world is all going this direction and the world is trying to put all the focus over here, you'll actually discover that there's a secret place over here with God that he has a lot going on over here in secret. And while all the attention is over here and the worldly people think it's all going on over here, rest assured, certainly God has something greater over here. And if you have a heart for him, and tie in, you'll find out that while everybody's running over there, the real glory is actually over here. Maybe not advertised, maybe not being shouted about on television, maybe not being heavily promoted, maybe it's under under the current, but it's going on nevertheless, and God wants you to be aware of that. And it says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You need to let that humility come in. Let that humility come in. Don't get all caught up in, you know, fighting and competing for, you know, you know, coupons or, you know, just, you know, getting all worked up with the stress that comes with the Christmas season. Skip all of that. Stay humble. Stay sweet. People may look happy. People may play Christmas music. People may drink hot lattes on cold winter days. But if you have the heart of God during these times, you'll actually notice that many people are stressed out. Many people are hurting. Many people's marriages are struggling. Many people have all kinds of addictions and bondages in their lives. And they, they are very much ripe for somebody to come along, not competing, to grab that prize, to get that last remaining, you know, toy off the shelf before they can get it. No, let, let that person have it. They, they probably need it. Their kids need it more than yours. Don't worry about it. Let somebody else go in front of you. If they're if that anxious, they're that desperate, let them go ahead and get it. Uh, it's no big deal. God's got better stuff for you anyhow. This is just a very temporary world that we're passing through. But my friends, have a heart for the Lord as you walk through these malls and walk through these places. Humble yourself. Humble yourself and say, Lord, I know there's hurting people here. Lord, let me just touch one. Lord, let me just touch one person and be able to share Jesus with them somehow, some way to be able to cut through all the noise and all the chaos and all the activity. Lord, whether it's a waiter or, or a, a waitress, Lord, let me, you know, a cashier that's totally stressed out. Lord, let me be able to reach somebody with the love of Christ today and get your love over to them today day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift 
you up. Praise God. Sometimes, one of the best times to humble yourself before the Lord is actually during Christmas season. Woo! Oh, Pastor Stephen, not me. Not with gingerbread cookies on the table, and not with all of the, uh, you know, all of the activity going on. And no, 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 Pastor Stephen, this is time to get out and enjoy. Yes, it is a beautiful time. Uh, sometimes I wish Christmas could be all year long because I like, I like, you know, I like the feeling. I like, I like the nice uh, atmosphere that it creates. But oh, my friends, it can still be a great time to humble yourself because the world still has all of its problems. People are still all tangled up in sin. And if you could just say, Lord, it's beautiful, but Lord, I see through it. You see through all the plasticness of it. You see through all the hype of it. And you see that people still need Jesus. And that without Jesus, people will die in their sins and go to hell even during Christmas time. And so you have to look through it. See, I like amusement parks. I like going to D Disneyland. I haven't, I haven't been there in a long time. But, you know, if you go and you have a heart for the Lord, you go. It doesn't take long to look, just to see through it like, hey, this whole thing is just like an act. This, this is not real. This is like a make-believe world. And this is fun. But it's also, th these are characters and costumes. These are people that are being paid to act happy. Th 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 this is, you know, <laughs> this is just, actually just a big shopping place that you can go, uh, not just to get on the rides, but, you know, to shop and spend money and stuff like that. And you, you, you know, as, as a man and woman of God, you, you see right through it. Is it the world's happiest place? Uh, yeah, if you use your imagination that it is. But if you have a heart for God and you really know the Lord, you're just like, hey, this is a make-believe world. These are people that are, you know, doing all of this because it's propped up, uh, you know, to, to bring money in and just to try to make people happy. But it's not going to be the thing that people are looking for. That's not what they need. They need Jesus. Hallelujah. They don't need a Mickey Mouse, although that's nice. That, that's, that's fun. Not against that. But that's not going to get them to heaven. And neither is old St. Nick, Santa Claus, you know. It's not, going, it's not going to be the thing that puts people over. It needs to be Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And in a culture today, in America particularly, that's trying to even take the word Christmas out <laughs> and replace it with, quote, happy holidays, unquote. You know what? Uh, we need to get our hearts back to the Lord, even during Christmas. I'm talking to Christians. I'm talking to Christians because there's a lot of Christians during Christmas, that window of prophetic gifting just closes. Why? They're, they're all, all caught up in all the things that everybody else is caught up in. But you've got to keep that anointing of the Spirit flowing all through the year, all through the year. I remember one time I fasted. I, I fasted all through Christmas. And it, it was actually, I've, I've done longer fasts, but this fast was actually one of the hardest fasts I've ever done. Why? <laughs> Just all the food everywhere, fudge you know, big chunks of fudge and uh, cookies and uh, eggnog and just, you know, candy canes and just, just candy everywhere, everywhere. And just not just in the house, but in, uh, in, anywhere you go, it's just all these wonderful things. And I was fasting because I was really seeking the Lord. And, um, but I just, uh, for whatever reason, there was a grace to fast, uh, you know, a good little fast. And I, I went even fasted all through Christmas. And it wasn't easy, but God got me through it. But I'll never forget on Christmas Eve, I had, a, I had an incredible encounter with the Lord where He took me to heaven. <laughs> Woo! Glory! I thank the Lord just had grace and mercy. See, if you, if you humble yourself, God will lift you up. 
Yes, Pastor Stephen, God will lift me up and he's going to give me $10 million for Christmas. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he'll lift you up. He'll strengthen you in him to be the witness, to be the man or woman of God that you need to be 24-7, 365 days a year, regardless of what day that is out of the year, that you're walking with the Lord. Hallelujah. Filled up, strengthened, strong in him. You know, reception open every day of the year. Hallelujah. Not, not for me on Christmas, Pastor Stephen. Mm-mm. Not for me on Thanksgiving. I'm going to stuff myself with turkey. Mm. And you get so bloated with food and so bloated with merriment that you can't even hear from God. My friends keep the window open all the time. But it was Christmas Eve and late that night when everybody was asleep, Kind of reminds me of the Christmas poem, you know, um, not a, not a, you know, everybody was asleep and you, you know, kind of like the night before Santa came. Well, Santa never showed up. He, he's a, you know, he's not real. Although St. Nick was real. St. Nicholas and uh, great man of God. By the way, if you study about St. Nicholas, if you've ever wondered, we're going to take Holy Communion here in just a little bit. If you need another example to help you with communion and understanding that this is not just a cracker and grape juice, read about St. Nicholas, who went 30 years with no food. He actually fasted for 10 days and said, Lord, I'm really liking this. <laughs> can, can you sustain this? And the Lord showed him that it could be sustained through deep fellowship and communion. So he lived for 30 years, no food. And trust me, they checked up on him. Any of, these, any of, the, any of the saints that tied in into that line of no food and just living on communion. They were all investigated. Uh, you know, you can't hide something like that. So they checked up on him. But uh, St. Nicholas was a great man of God. No food for over 30 years and just lived off communion. Praise God. So I don't now know how I got off on St. Nicholas, but I'm just saying Santa Claus is not real. But the origins, St. Nick, that is real. He was a giver and he was also an international peacemaker. He had so much wisdom from God that he could keep nations from going to war against each other and was used as a mediator and uh, a counselor, really, to uh, be the man that God wanted him to be. And, you know, Swiss history owes a great debt of thankfulness to his life of prayer. Praise God. All right. That's a different story in church history. But my friends, I was taken up into heaven and Jesus, he took me to an area of heaven that would be the area of paradise, which is like, um, it's, it's not the city area. It's more like the park area of heaven. But when I, when I say a park, uh, you know, the, the size is just indescribable. There's a beautiful park, though, but just goes on and on and on. But in the, in the park, the Lord introduced me to a man that I had read about in church history. But I, you know, of course, didn't know him or anything like that. But uh, he was in heaven because his life, he died. And he, of course, went to heaven because he was a Christian. But his name was Lonnie Frisbee. And I got to talk to him there in uh, paradise and uh, sat down with him, at a, even at a bench, a beautiful park bench. and got to talk with him and things like that. And and uh, he shared some neat things with me that, that helped my ministry, encouraged my ministry. And then after the conversation was done, he went about and, uh, to continue doing whatever the things he was doing there in heaven. And then Jesus told me a little bit more about his life and told me about some of the weaknesses that he had, some of the character challenges and struggles that he had. 
uh, and Jesus told me I even picked him on purpose knowing his weaknesses <laughs> his flaws <laughs> that's amazing as if the Lord made a mistake in choosing who he wants to be a minister or not uh, Pastor Stephen I don't think that person on TV I don't like that minister well the, don't worry about it you didn't choose him God chose him him or her uh, that's God's choosing so don't get in don't get involved in criticizing people just because you don't like their hair or their personality or their style God chose a person I'm not saying I would have chosen it but I, I'm not you and me aren't God that's God that does all of that let God be God and don't try to critique God because <laughs> if you're critiquing that person God's put that person in that ministry office and if you're critiquing that person you're critiquing God who actually placed them there and he's their judge not you and me praise the Lord okay well anyhow the next morning during you know it's Christmas morning and you know everybody's opening up the gifts but the the epic uh, the epic gift because I was at my my oldest daughter Jennifer Jennifer's house her and her husband and the the, the kind of like the special gift uh, that she gave which was kind of the whopper gift of the family she gave to him and it was a frisbee set <laughs> well, frisbee golf like you know fris, frisbee golf was getting real popular then and I guess it still is today it's probably a lot more relaxing than, than real golf because real golf I'm told that even if you're really good it's still it's so technical it's frustrating I've never played golf except just a tiny bit many years ago but frisbee golf you can get out on the golf course still and have a nice relaxing uh, thing of just throwing a frisbee anyhow it was, it was a prophetic twist because I had just met Lonnie Frisbee that night in a vision and the next morning the Lord just it was a play look for those puns those prophetic play on words God always does stuff like that and the more prophetic you get the more you'll start picking up on that uh, of how he tie he'll make your whole life like a, a prophetic poetic rhyme and so of course you know the main gift that morning was a frisbee gift after having just met Lonnie Frisbee and it's kind of it's kind of interesting because my my pastor he's he's in his 70s today my pastor knew Lonnie Frisbee and they were friends and uh, I'll never forget the time a couple of years back I told I told my pastor that I met Lonnie Frisbee in heaven when I got caught up in a vision I met him in heaven and Jesus allowed allowed me to talk to him and my pastor was like he said, well, you know, I, I knew Lonnie. He said, uh, he, he made it? I said, yes, he made it. I, I saw him there in heaven. <laughs> he wasn't even sure if he made it or not. You know, um, he was like a Samson. He, he didn't, Lonnie Frisbee, he had a phenomenal anointing, but his ending was not what it was destined to be. But he did, even in, even in his short ministry life, he still touched the lives of many, many people and was a catalyst in the Jesus movement, the hippie movement that took place on the west coast of America spread all over uh, America and touch even really many nations around the world I I've been in Europe before and I've met people that are that are in their 70s today they they were saved because of what happened in the Jesus movement in America out there in California during the days of Chuck Smith Lonnie Frisbee the birthing of Calvary Chapel and all of that but it was just a total hippie movement Jesus movement by by the way another one's coming back that's going to be even bigger uh, I know that Woodstock changed uh, you know it was something that was a big mark on the American culture uh, it was really just you know drugs and sexual immorality and that shift in the culture of America that went into that direction but there's going to come another uh, what you would call like a love fest that's going to break out over America you're going to see millions of young people swept into the kingdom hallelujah Pastor Stephen I already know what some of you are thinking Pastor Stephen I sure don't see like it you, you can't you can't judge the spiritual weather report by what you're looking at it today because today you could have a totally uh, sunny sky but if you don't but the weather could say hey 
in five days it's going to be raining. Ah, it doesn't look like it's going to rain to me. Well, you know, the heavenly weather report can be very, very different from the outlook of what it may look like in the current spiritual condition. So don't go by the way it looks about what you see on TV or the news of the culture today. God's got some things planned, and God actually has some global things planned. It's going to be really, really good for all of us. Can you say yes? I'm not saying there won't be also some challenging times, because there will be. But all in all, God's going to have His way, and the glory is going to the it's going to be heavy upon the end time church. Get ready for that. Thank you, Jesus. So, my friends, there is the going up, and those times of fasting, those times of humbling yourself, uh, don't be afraid to even throw that in, even during holiday seasons, because it's easy to allow that prophetic window to close and suddenly you can't respond spiritually the way that you would want to or maybe even need to because um, you know you just let yourself go for a couple of weeks or maybe a month and, and the next thing you know that you can't you, you've lost that edge you can't hear the way that you need to hear praise God so that's why that's why it says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble and then he says draw near to God and he will draw near to you and he most certainly will humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up if you will do the humbling God will do the beautiful lifting up and there'll be strength and beauty in your life freshness in your life always all the time pastor Stephen what's something I can do to keep this sharp to keep that prophetic window open I'm so glad that you've asked that and that you're thinking about that I want to share something with you that really helps me a whole lot and it's kind of basic but no it works so I keep working it it's 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and it's verse 13 let's take a look at it today we're talking about experiencing and maintaining prophetic vision by the way if you lean into this and start moving into this into the glory realm into the reality that you are seated with Christ and that starts opening it up if you are faithful to run and go for it you will find that God will bring those of like precious faith into your life who are also running with you running in the same direction for the heart of God okay so if you're willing to do that you suddenly if you're flying like that you'll suddenly God will send other eagles to your life okay so look for that um, God doesn't want you to be out there on your own uh, you may be in a church where you're thinking uh, Pastor Stephen I, I like this I'm going for it well go for it I'm not saying leave your church but I'm saying um, Sometimes God's got to bring some other eagles along with you to help you fly so that you have that stability. I know the Lord did that for me because, um, you know, there was a time when the church was just kind of like not really into the supernatural. Now, now the church is. Now the church is wide open, wanting the things of God. And now I wouldn't say it's popular, but I would say that it's grown by leaps and ground, uh, bounds to the point now that if you're not going that direction, now you're the oddball. Now, now you're the one that's kind of like left out. And also it's quite obvious because there's an anointing with those that are pushing into this and running on with this and those that aren't. Man, you're talking about some dead, dry church services. Not only are the, are the services dead, maybe the, there, there's just not an anointing, but even the worship, the praise and worship is just like stuff from yesteryear, and the, the anointing's not there. So my friends, keep pushing on into, into the things of God, and that glory realm will open up, and God will always keep you fresh with the dew of heaven. Praise God. And look for the other eagles to be joined to your life, prophetic people that want to move into that area. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 
Look how easy this is. Verse 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. How about that? For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, whenever you're praying, and let's say, you know, you're the typical American like me, American spirit-filled Christian. You're praying, and you, you pray some in English, and then, you, uh, you know, you pray even more in tongues. For example. Well, when you're praying in English, you're your mind is fruitful because your mind understands what you're praying about because you're praying in English. But if you begin to pray in the spirit or pray in tongues, well, suddenly, suddenly your mind doesn't really know what's going on. Why? Your spirit's praying. And so God understands it and your spirit is praying, but your mind is like, Hey, now, now you've gone beyond me. You're in the, you're in the glory realm now. Can't hang with that. So you're told to, Pray that you may interpret. And there's an anointing at times where inquiring minds want to know, hey, I wonder what I've been praying about for the last 15 minutes, if you've been praying in tongues. Or I've been praying in tongues for the last hour. I wonder what I was praying about. Well, that's why you're told to interpret. Now, here's why I'm sharing this with you, and this is why this will help keep that prophetic window open, that apostolic grace open and flowing into your life. Anytime you pray in tongues, you're exercising faith because it takes faith to pray in the spirit language, to step out and do that. I remember the first time I ever did it. Woo! It, I, it was like moving a mountain. It seemed like that's how much faith it took. Well, today, because I've been doing that for decades now, it's just very, very easy for me. My faith is very built up in that area just to step out and begin to pray in tongues. But look, just as it takes faith to pray in the spirit or pray in tongues, it also takes faith. You're exercising faith anytime you interpret what you are uh, or have been praying in tongues. Okay, so when you finish praying in tongues, maybe for a longer period of time, and you think, I wonder what I've been praying. Well, just stop and say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that I've been praying in tongues, and now I'm going to pray a little bit more, and I'm going to ask that you give me the interpretation. Okay, so you can just you can just sit there for a moment and just pray, and the interpretation will start to come. Where? In your mind. It comes up from your spirit, goes to your mind, and you begin to get the understanding of what it is you're saying. So stop speaking out in tongues, and now begin to translate it out, or inter I wouldn't say translate, but I would say interpret it. Because inter translation, this is not word for word, this is putting words to what you're getting in the spirit. So it's different from translating. It's more what we would call interpreting. So just begin to interpret it out. And now in English or your native tongue, begin to say what it is. Thank you, Lord. I, I just received that, Lord. I thank you that this is what you're saying. And begin to speak that out. Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I'm afraid I'm just going to be making something up. No, no. You, you interpret it by faith. Ah, see, it takes faith to do that. Oh, well, if it takes faith to interpret. See, this is why I'm saying, if you work the basics, you get good at this. Then it's easy to start going up in the Spirit, because it takes faith to go up in the Spirit. Pastor Stephen, I, I just, I'm afraid that if I close my eyes, I believe Jesus will lift me up, and I see something, I just believe that's my imagination. 
No, <laughs> no, no, no. When you are strong in faith and you are doing this often, then you build yourself up in that area. And trust me, it's very easy to know the difference between what's spiritual and what's soulish, what's coming out of your soul, what maybe could be your imagination. No, no, we're talking about what's coming out of your mind by the Holy Spirit what is truly spiritual and it's very easy to tell the difference and so you have to get filled up with the spirit you have to have some good prayer time and then just watch what comes out speak some things out in the spirit and then interpret those tongues and that interpretation will come and when you do that often it's easy to go up in the spirit it's easy after you're prayed up just to wait upon the Lord and that lifting when it comes just lean into it and go right up and then if it helps close your eyes and just look at what the Holy Spirit shows you and you can begin to see things in heaven you can begin to have visions and sometimes the visions aren't about heaven maybe it's about something about the family or maybe something about the other side of the world or maybe something about the church or the ministry or, or, or the nation God will begin to show it to you and you can just lean into that you begin to see that whoo what a blessing what a blessing and don't don't rush through it just sit there because I've had angelic visitations before and sometimes the message that the angel would speak it's not like it just rattled off real fast like he's just talking real fast now I have had the Lord come to me and he's talking fast and I, I'm, I'm trying to get it just as fast you know as he's talking I'm trying to get it but there's been other times where angels have come and I really have to focus and pay attention of what they are speaking to me. I'll throw this one out there too. Some of you may think this is crazy, but just wait till it happens to you. In the spirit realm, if an angel comes, even the Lord, of course, as well, but if, if an angel comes and God has given that angel an assignment to give you a message, the angel doesn't even have to speak to give the message. When you're in the spirit realm, you don't even have to open your mouth and say things. It's, it's, it's going back and forth. I don't know if I should use the word telepathic, but the message is going back. You can talk back and forth in the spirit, and you don't even have to open your mouth and say things. Pastor Stephen, I don't know about that. Oh, just we'll just wait till it happens to you, and you'll find out. Yep, that's true. It's true. Now, other times you can still speak if you want to, but you'll find out sometimes you're communicating in the spirit realm, and you don't even have to use your mouth. It's just it's just coming out. You're speaking it out by your spirit somehow, and your mouth doesn't even have to move. It's just you're picking it up. Woo! The closest the closest I can maybe say is that. Like husband and wife, you've been married a long time. You already know. You can just look sometimes, and it's like it's like coming back and forth. You're you're not even saying anything, but you're you know what each other's thinking. Woo! Praise God. Well, it's take that a hundred times higher in the spirit realm, and it's super clear. Thank you, Lord Jesus. But sometimes when an angel will come and will share something, maybe he'll just say a few things, and you're you're you have to really focus. To pick that up and you have to wait and it might be two minutes before he says something else so be aware of that it's not always rapid fire you know here it comes you know uh, it's different at different times why is that I don't know but that is the way it is I think sometimes it's like that in a slower sense because God wants to keep you there help you develop in that realm help you not just to get the message and rush out but help you develop in that area so that your faith is strong in this area this is just as much as your inheritance as it is divine healing even just as much as the baptism and the Holy Spirit just as much as salvation itself so there's a lot of pack there's a lot packed into this we'll be unraveling this and exploring this 
for all the days of our life. But we are encouraged to delve into it just as much as we can. That's very strongly laid out in James chapter 4. So my friends, during Christmas, um, you know, even Thanksgiving and so forth, don't, don't just get all caught up in all of the stuff that's going on. It is good. It is nice. Enjoy the turkey. Enjoy the ham. If you like ham, I don't, I'm not much of a ham person. Kelly, she's been a vegetarian for years now. And I don't, I don't really eat pork. I don't like the taste of it. I'm not saying that, you know, it's a, a sin to eat pork. Of course it's not, but I just don't want to eat it. I do think funny, uh, it's funny sometimes how some Christians, they think eating pork is a sin. Uh, it's not. You know, um, it was a few years ago that the oldest man in the world, uh, they interviewed him. I think at that time he was like a hundred and... Uh, 100 maybe 15 years old you know if you get 113 you're like at the ultimate there's been just uh we had one lady she was a french lady she lived to be 122 she passed away but you start getting past 113 especially that's that's rarefied air but i think this gentleman he was at that time was in he was somewhere in asia and they interviewed him asked him about his long life he was about 115 years old and they said tell us what is the secret of your longevity? How have you been able to live so long? He said, oh, he said, he said, white rice and good pork. Mm. Oh, Pastor Stephen, don't eat the pork. It's not good for your health. Well, tell that to him. He lived to be 115. So there's more to longevity than just than just food. Now, I'm not saying go out and now clog your arteries up. Pastor Seven, Pastor Stephen said it's okay to eat fried food and to clog your arteries up. No, no, remember the leading cause of death in America is heart disease. That's attributed to all this stuff that people are clogging their arteries up with. I'm, I'm not saying by any means do that. But I'm just saying longevity is more than just staying away from fried, fried food. Longevity, a lot of it has to do with happiness, contentment, uh, not getting angry, and stay, staying, uh, staying with a good attitude through life. And I, I really think, this is just my opinion, that the reason many of these people that would be uh, living these long lives of 110, maybe 115, I really believe it's God's grace that he loves these people so much that he allows them to keep living a little bit longer with the hope that they will somehow hear the gospel and receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. I really believe that God sees something in them that he just that puts a smile on them, even though they're lost and they're sinners, so many of them, but he wants them to receive Christ. So he just gives them a little more grace and they keep living and they keep living and they keep living. That's what it's all about really behind the scenes. God's giving them extra grace to receive Christ as, uh, as their Savior. Praise the Lord. But my friends, keep that window open of uh, prophetic vision. Thank you. Keep it open by walking with the Lord throughout the entire year. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, I, I even found that it's good to humble yourself even during times when most people would think, well, this would be the last time I'm going to do it. This is the time for us to lift up and shout. But sometimes God will he'll just notice it just like I did that. Now, that was the only time I've ever fasted through Christmas. And uh, you remember, remember when you have family and things like that, and you also have to be mindful of them. But that was a time when it worked and I did it. And, uh, you know, I just drink my hot drink, hot drink of hot tea and everybody else is eating and having a good time. And, and God blessed me for that. I had a very special experience. And my friend's 
that window God wants it open he wants that what he wants it open and he can bring some gifts and surprises that are beyond anything you could put beneath the Christmas tree so just really seek the Lord seek the Lord the the powerful man of God dr. John G Lake he went to be with the Lord in I believe it was 1955 don't quote me on the exact year but it was in the 1950s but he had had a very powerful ministry he was a he was a, an apostle and started many churches and a very powerful healing ministry but he also met the Christmas angel and uh, th- there are Christmas angels I know some people they say well, Pastor Stephen Christmas is not in the Bible and they're against Christmas they're, they're really against anything that's fun but I, I, I like Christmas and I've had encounters with the Lord during the Christmas season and I know that there are Christmas angels look anything that helps people get closer to God and maybe just makes them stop and think about God a little bit then God's in that okay so if Christmas makes people you know get a little nicer maybe not quite be so hard then God will use that as a special leverage where the gospel can be more effective during that time so I'm just saying for believers let it be a time when we can really be sensitive to people because there's the two big times of the year that if people are going to go to church, it's usually Easter or Christmas. They may be the only two times they ever come to church, the only two times maybe they'll ever think about God. But let it be a time where you can you can have a heart for the Lord, and your heart is strong and on fire, and you're able to reach people. Look, always be mindful of eternity. If you go, if you go to heaven, and you have been involved in the supporting the gospel and doing your part of also uh, just sharing Christ with people then you will have a soul winner's crown waiting for you when you get to heaven and that's what you want you want that crown it's a soul winner's crown it's the most beautiful thing that you could have in in the city of heaven praise God so be mindful of that go out go for souls praise God Woo, thank you, Jesus. And by the way, everything usually goes on sale in early January, every, anyhow. So no, no need to get caught up in all the hoopla of all the sales and all the shopping. It usually goes on clearance as uh, soon as the holidays are over. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you for open vision, clear vision, a maintained vision. Not a vision that's faded out. We can't even look through the mirror. No, no, Father, but the window's wide open, going up. Hallelujah, and receiving fresh revelation. Praise God. Father, let there be grace poured out. There are some that are pressing into this, but they, they're, they're, they're still just barely getting traction. But let them come into their inheritance in Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You know what? I don't care if people persecute me and say I'm weird or funny because I talk about going to heaven. And I've had many visions where the Lord has taken me to heaven. I don't care what people think. I know it's true. I know it's true. And I'm not talking about just sovereign experience where, you know, you have something maybe once every 20 years. Oh, oh, I saw an angel. But, you know, 20 years go by after that, nothing ever happens. Well, I'm talking about more than just sovereign. I'm talking about leaning into it, accessing your inheritance in Christ, realizing that you are seated with Christ in heavenly realms, and that you're going up there, and you're exploring what's yours, and you're enjoying the Lord and the heavenly realms. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. A move is on. The race is on. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. You know, when I get around friends of mine, other apostles, uh, other prophets, we talk about our trips 
We talk about our visits. We talk about our, our experiences. As it says in the Word of God, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. So we sit down and we talk about uh, divine encounters and supernatural experiences. Not, not just old ones that, you know, hey, tell me that story again. You know, that, that's fun. But new ones, new ones, woo, woo, reaching out, grabbing a hold of the Lord's garment, saying, God, I want more. Hallelujah. Praise God. So go after the Lord, and you'll always get His best. Father, bless your people in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Ooh, hallelujah. Mm -mm. Let's take Holy Communion together. A mystery. A mystery in itself. We look at this, and it looks like a little piece of bread and a little bitty cup of grape juice. But, but the body and the blood of Jesus are somehow veiled beneath what would appear to be bread and juice, and we could receive supernatural strength, grace, and blessing as we proclaim the Lord's death till He comes back by receiving Holy Communion. So let's do it together. Get some unleavened bread, get some grape juice. If you're watching today and you've never made Christ your Lord and Savior, don't put it off another day. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And if you're not sure, if your life ended today and you're not sure of where you would be, then that means your life is not right with God. If you don't know, something's not right. You need that. Look, I know some of you, maybe you're watching me and you're a religious person. And maybe you were raised in church. And so you're, as we would say, a good person. But nobody is good enough to go to heaven. If you've sinned just once, that one sin is enough to keep you out of heaven because God is so holy. No sin can be in His presence. That's why the Father sent Jesus to die as a sacrifice to atone for our sins so that as we put our faith and trust in Him, our sins could be washed away and we could be restored back to a right relationship with God through His Son. Hallelujah. If you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, let's do it now. Get it right now so that you can be assured that you're going to heaven. Praise God. Not, not going to church doesn't make you saved, okay? Maybe you're Catholic. Maybe you're, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Episcopalian or something like that. God, God bless you, but you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. And so that's different. See, I can go stand in the car. Excuse me, I can go stand in the garage. It doesn't make me a car. You can go to church. It doesn't make you a born-again believer. You have to receive Christ into your heart. Pray this prayer after me if you've never done this yet. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Wash me clean, Jesus. I give my life to you. I accept you as my Lord and Savior right now. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Hallelujah. Amen. And my friend, if you prayed that prayer, you now belong to Jesus Christ, to the family of God. And I'm so glad that you are my new brother and sister in the Lord. Now, let's take communion together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We bless the bread, the juice. This is now the body and the blood of our Savior. We receive the body of Christ with great thanksgiving. We thank you that we're on our way to heaven. And Father, while we're on the earth, let us be sharp in the spirit. Sharp in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the body of Jesus. Woo! You're going to get somebody saved and one to the Lord. Mm-mm. Thank you, Jesus, a soul winner's crown. Pastor Stephen, you shouldn't talk with your mouth full. Excuse me, I'm just happy in my spirit. Mm -mm. Hallelujah. Some of you believers, you've never won somebody else to the Lord. You're going to. 
Hallelujah. I believe you'll do it before now on Christmas. You'll win somebody to the Lord. Hallelujah. Mm -mm. Glory to God. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus washing, washing all of our sins away. Now say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, that you remember them no more. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you, O God, for the blood of Jesus, soul cleansing power. Thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that the blood silences the accuser of the brethren. Satan himself is silenced by the blood of Jesus. Satan, we plead the blood of Jesus against you. We are clean and sinless in the eyes of God because we are washed with the blood of Jesus. Amen. Let's drink and receive the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My friends, when you're in the presence of the Lord, and your spirit is light, and your spirit is happy, and you're, you've been in prayer and time with God, let the Holy Spirit lift you. Let your spirit go up. And just look at what God would show you. He'll give you visions. You'll find yourself going up into the heavenly realm. Come boldly before the throne of grace. And while you're there, there can be those times you even ask God for special things that you desire. Praise the Lord. Thank you for watching. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Till then, stay blessed. Bye-bye.